Welcome to the Reiki Gateway Podcast with Reiki Masters Kathleen Johnson and Andrea Kennedy. Journey with us and let's explore what lies beyond the Reiki Gateway. Hello and welcome. I'm Andrea Kennedy and my co-host Kathleen Johnson is here with me and we're excited to bring you the next episode in our podcast. Today we are answering some questions that we received from you, our listeners, and we're really excited to engage with you on these topics. So please stick around. We're going to start by talking about Reiki for children. Lots of different topics about that. And if we don't cover exactly what you want to hear in the episode, but new questions arise, please make sure you reach out, let us know those questions, and we'll answer those for you on another episode down the line. After we talk about Reiki for children, we're going to move on and talk about helping people. Are we obligated to help everybody who asks us for help if we have a practice, whether it be Reiki or another modality? We're going to explore some of that together with you. And then we're going to talk about, do you ever walk into a room and something happens and you just get off kilter with your energy? What do you do to come back to center? What can you do that is quick and effective to help you? We'll give you some tips we hope that you can use in that segment. So let's kick off this hour talking about Reiki for children. I know a lot of people ask me, about what age is appropriate to teach a child Reiki, or is it appropriate at all? I know, Kathleen, you've taught Reiki to children before, so I'm sure you have thought this through on many levels. What would you say if someone asked you about Reiki and what age is appropriate? Thanks, Andrea. Yes, I have taught a few classes for children. And one of the things that always surprises me is, first of all, Lots of people, including Reiki practitioners, are unaware that you can teach Reiki to children. It's something that I guess a lot of people don't even think about. It's uh, considered to be an adults-only kind of training. But when I started teaching Reiki for children, it was at the request or the interest of the parents And all the parents that asked me about it were also Reiki practitioners. They were either clients and became students, that kind of thing. They were interested in having their children receive Reiki and benefiting from that throughout their lives. I did some research and I learned everything I could find about teaching Reiki for children. And what I learned was some practitioners that teach that will teach children as young as four. For me, that was a bit too young. I thought that was a little too young for my comfort level. I think if a teacher can do that, that's great, but I felt that I would be more comfortable with children a bit older. I've taught children as young as six and up to age 11 or 12 for Reiki 1. Now, again, we're talking about Reiki 1 for children. So when I refer to teaching Reiki for children, I'm referring to the first level. I have not yet taught Reiki 2 for children. I have taught a private class to a young lady who took one of my very first Reiki children's classes. I brought her up to level 2 with her mother. (laughs) That was a fun class. It was a daughter-mother class. So I think any age at which the teacher is comfortable and the parent and, of course, the child, I think it's important that the child want to learn Reiki, of course. This is not something you're going to say, you must learn Reiki or else. (laughs) It doesn't work that way. But what I've found is that children are just naturally attracted to learning Reiki. It seems that they have a very clear sense of energy anyway at a young age. They're tuned into it much more than us adults who are all weighed down with baggage and stuff. And they just love it. I have found that to be the case, and I have not yet met a child who was unwilling to learn Reiki. I'm in agreement with you, Kathleen, because I have to say I haven't taught many children Reiki, but I have been asked by parents, and there are children today that are so energetically in tune. They're very different than I remember myself as a child, 
And Reiki is something that just naturally fits right in with them. I taught a young boy. He was about seven. And it was just a one-on-one little Reiki class, Reiki one, like you. And the mother was there. And they had a story about a little dragonfly that seemed to be injured. And so he took it in his hands. And he was doing all of that on his own. And so, of course, Reiki just seems like the natural progression for a child like that. And I just couldn't say no to that because it just felt right. It just felt that, again, like a natural sort of lead in to Reiki. If we're parents and we think about our children, if they're interested in ways to help themselves, I say go for it. Because can you imagine having your child uh, lay in bed at night and part of their routine is that they put their hands on their body and just offer Reiki to themselves to relax and to settle down? What a beautiful way for them to soothe themselves, to rely on themselves, to feel better and to comfort themselves and empower them. They would have this forever that they could use, rely on, and be able to count on as they grow up. And I feel that is just natural. I would say the child definitely needs to have a desire for this. It's just not up to the parents to just sign them up for a Reiki class. This isn't uh, gymnastics or something like that. This is serious. And I take it very seriously. So as long as the parents do and the child has an interest, I would certainly teach a child. And like you, though, I think four is a little bit young for me because I don't know if they can fully grasp what Reiki is and really how life-changing it can be. Not to say that a seven-year-old really does either, but I think they can grasp more of the concepts Yeah, for me, four was definitely too young. Six was a good age. And the very first class I taught, there were, I think, seven children in that class. And they ranged in age from six to 11. And the the parents were there, well, at least the mothers were there for the whole class. And one of the big differences in the Reiki for Children class is the length of it, first of all. It's much shorter than Mm -hmm. an adult class. My adult classes, like yours, Andrea, are eight to nine hours long per day. Mm-hmm. And the children's class is four, four and a half, something like that. And another big difference is the format. Of course, there's no lectures. There's no big book to read. None, none of those kind of things. It's very interactive. It's very fun. We do skits. We draw. We paint. We do all kinds of fun things. And you said something really interesting that reminded me of my Reiki classes with children, how this little boy that you taught was already doing things with his hands. And I noticed that in the Reiki class too, as soon as they knew what was going to happen and they kind of had an idea of what this was all about, it was just the energy just began to flow for them. They weren't thinking about it. They weren't getting nervous. You know, you see that with adults. I was one of them, nervous that it wasn't going to work Mm -hmm. for me. None of that happened with the children. They were like, oh yeah, this is cool. I know I can do this. There was no hesitation. There was no Mm -hmm. fear. Another thing is I didn't really need to teach them the chakra points or the areas to treat. They seemed to naturally gravitate to the areas that needed treatment because we took turns treating each other. One of the kids would lay on the floor and there'd be a few around him or her. They just knew where to go. I was so blown away by that. It, it Honestly, it was one of the most humbling experiences I've had as a Reiki teacher, teaching Reiki to children. And the very first class I taught, my daughter-in-law is a Reiki master, and she assisted me during the class. And that was back when we were still doing attunements before I started doing placements. And we were doing the attunements for the children. And she looked over at me and whispered, I could do this all day long. (laughs) 
I said, oh my goodness. And I'm like nodding my head. This is just amazing because during the attunements, they sat so still. They were just so compliant and open to it. I'm getting chills just talking about it. It was a beautiful experience. And so for any of you listening that may be Reiki teachers, and if you're thinking about it, or if it's never even occurred to you to teach Reiki to children, I'd encourage you and invite you to look into it. I think you would find it to be very fulfilling. And imagine a world filled with children who practice Reiki. I know it. That is so exciting to think about. And I admit, I was getting goosebumps just listening to you describe that. And I'm not kidding. Children today are very different. As you were talking, I was thinking about how Reiki's changed. And you said back in the day, attunements, and now you do placements. And that's an evolution, a change over time. So we've seen changes throughout the years. And I think teaching Reiki to children, if it was maybe looked down upon 20 years ago, I think maybe it's time to reevaluate that and what those beliefs are. If we take an honest look at children then and children today, we, we would honestly see a, a huge difference in the children. And I think if we want to move forward with Reiki and be in the flow of the evolution of it, we do need to sort of reevaluate our beliefs from time to time and be open perhaps to making some changes. And if you've taught Reiki but not children, ooh, this could be a really wonderful opportunity to open some new doors and to welcome little wonderful Reiki practitioners into the world. I'm so excited to think about that. It's wonderful. It really is. It it was so much fun. I had a few classes with children and they were always so much fun. Although I have to confess, by the end of the class, I was wiped out. You forget how much work yeah. it is. I have four children of my own, so I'm no stranger to that. But <laughs> when you're working with them all day long, I had forgotten just how exhausting that can be. But it was a really fun exhausting. And what you said a few minutes ago about the children are different these days than they were when we were growing up. Boy, is that the truth. Anybody who is into spirituality or part of the spiritual community has probably heard of the indigo children, the rainbow children, the crystal Mm -hmm. children, the new waves of souls that are coming into body these days to assist humanity and the planet into evolving into the new consciousness, the new earth. And that's my take on it. This is why so many children seem to be so much more spiritually advanced than children when I was growing up, perhaps when you were growing up, Andrea. Mm -hmm. So I think that's a big part of it. And it just seems that more children are aware of the potential of modalities like Reiki and how important that can be to have with you in your lifetime. And I think what you said also about setting aside some of your, I don't know, hesitation or reluctance to teach children that maybe it's not appropriate. Now's the time to do that because why not children? That's what I always want to know. Why not children? This is not Mm -hmm. something that should be reserved only for those in the ranks of grown-ups. I don't see why that's a thing. And I've also run into some I don't know, controversy with people who think that children should not learn anything beyond Reiki 1, that it's inappropriate for a child to learn Reiki 2. And the reason I have heard for that are because of the symbols and because the symbols are considered sacred and private that, well, can the children be quote-unquote trusted (laughs) with those? I, I don't really think that's much of an argument, truly. I have taught, as I said earlier, one young woman, Reiki 2, with her mother. She was 13 at the time. Reiki has benefited her in remarkable ways since then. That was four or five years ago. So I know that the symbols notwithstanding, I think we have to allow a little bit of leeway here, a little bit of flexibility. And as you said, change with the times. 
Evolution is here. We're evolving every day. The only thing that never changes is change itself. So we have to get on board with that and start mm -hmm. rethinking how we teach Reiki and to whom we teach Reiki and open it up. And just to deviate a bit from our topic, I know that people teach children who have developmental or physical disabilities. And I, I feel that there is no one who cannot learn Reiki. That is my stance on that. Anyone who wants to and is willing and open to it and they want to learn Reiki, they should learn Reiki. That's how I feel about it. That's why we have it. It's a gift from spirit. It's not a gift just for a few special people. <laughs> Absolutely. That is one of my reasons I love Reiki because I just feel like when we're here on earth, we have a body, we have energy. All right, you check the boxes, you check the requirements. So if you want to learn how to work with that, we've got something for you and it's called Reiki. Exactly. And why not accept the invitation to help a whole new wave of Reiki practitioners come into the world? I just don't see a downside with it at all. And in regards to the symbols that you say, my goodness, just Google the symbols. They're all out there anyway. So even the adults who are trusted with the symbols do their own thing anyway. <laughs> I think we just need to loosen up a little bit and not be so afraid of every little thing. And, uh, you know, just follow our guidance. And if some people want to teach children, great. If you don't want to, great. But right. we're all in this together. And I think if we just support each other in our own choices, we're all just in the flow. We mm -hmm. don't all have to agree and do the same things, but right. we're all in it together. And I just love Reiki. I love the fact that these children are interested. And I certainly want to support that. What you just said, Andrea, it goes back to what we've said in previous episodes, that Reiki works with each one of us in the way that is right for each one of us. So if we're guided to teach children, go for it. If you're guided to work with animals, mm -hmm. go for it. We could go on and on and on. Yes. But the point is, Reiki is for everyone and everything. So don't mm -hmm. start picking and choosing and saying, well, you get it, but you don't. I, I think that is so unnecessarily limiting of a wonderful gift from spirit. Yes. And I think that leads us right into our next question that came in. And that was, as practitioners and Reiki teachers, do we need to help everybody who seeks out our services? What's our obligation there? And the person who asked this question had something specific, and he asked about if he received guidance that he should perhaps decline a client, maybe not even know why, but just get guidance to decline having a certain client or a student, how would he handle that? Because he wants to trust his guidance, but yet he wants to help people too. Do you have any thoughts on that, Kathleen? Wow, this is a tricky one. <laughs> it's, it's a very mm -hmm. delicate yeah. situation because we want to help people. We are here to be of service and to make things better. So if we receive guidance to not work with someone first of all, what is that all about? And mm -hmm. secondly, what do we do about it? I know personally, I have not had to do that with anyone. However, I will say there was one time in retrospect, I wish I had. It was a student, and I'm not going to go into the details, obviously, but I just knew about halfway through that class with that person in the class that it was probably not in my interest or her interest for her to be there that day. But by that time, it was too late. But okay, lesson learned. And I guess I needed to learn that. And okay, so put that aside. That was one time. But as far as a client, I have not had to do that with a client. I don't know if the individual who wrote the question has had to do that or if this is something that he just wants to be proactive on. Perhaps some of our listeners are wondering, what do you do? I right. think if I'm asked directly, what do you do? My first response to these kinds of questions is, first of all, 
ask Reiki for guidance. Mm -hmm. Reiki is in your life as a companion, an ally, a guide. And whenever I encounter these types of sticky situations, if you will, my first response is to ask Reiki, what do I do with this? And wait for the guidance to appear. After all, if Reiki's guiding you to decline this individual, I imagine that Reiki would have a reason for that. And then how do you convey that to the individual? I guess it's not really helping as to how you go about it. But I don't know if you've ever had to deal with this, Andrea. And if so, what did you do? One particular situation does come to my mind. And I'll share that with everyone now. I was in my office, had a client, and we had finished up. And as I was saying goodbye to them, I glanced inside my waiting room door, and there was a gentleman sitting on one of the chairs in there. And I knew I didn't have a gentleman coming for the next appointment. So I went in and I asked him, you know, if I could help him. And he was there without an appointment. He just saw my information and decided to show up. And my literature does state it's by appointment only, but he was there and he started talking about uh, spirits and he mentioned the word evil and he had worries about his energy, if his energy had been compromised somehow. And he wanted to know if I could clear that energy from him. And I had the distinct feeling that this would not be beneficial for me to engage with. I just had a feeling that this was not a path for me to go down with this man. And so I had to figure it out real quickly about what to say, because really I hadn't thought about this at all before. And, and that is one reason I, I want to bring up this situation with our listeners, because you never know when it might happen. So it's good, I think, to think about things a little bit ahead of time, just to be a little bit more prepared, perhaps. What I ended up saying to him was that I was a Reiki practitioner and that what I do doesn't quite fit what he was looking for. And I felt that there are other areas of spiritual practice, spiritual work that would be more suited to help him with that particular concern that he was having. He then asked me for any referrals, and I didn't know of anyone I really just recommended that he search online and look for a psychic medium, perhaps. And I did tell him it would be helpful if he called the practitioners beforehand and asked them the questions instead of just dropping by their office without an appointment. And then that way he could be sure that he would receive the help he was after and not waste any of his time going to other places where he might not get that help. That's an excellent way to handle it, Andrea. And as you were talking, I'm thinking, Reiki stepped in and helped you with that, definitely. That's yes, what I'm getting. It, it seemed did. as if Reiki mm -hmm. was right there saying, okay, Andrea, this is what you do. It's a beautiful response because it was out of your wheelhouse, beyond your mm -hmm. area of expertise. And you told him that, which he accepted and no harm, no foul. I think that is a great example to use going forward if we were to ever encounter something like this, either with a client or a student or anyone. Sometimes we are not a good fit for the individual, and the mm -hmm. individual is not a good fit for us. It all comes down to energy. Energetically, we could be incompatible. There could be something about our energies that are unhealthy for one or the other. And I think we need to keep that in mind. Yes, because we're not everything to everyone. Just look at our lives, just in our personal lives. Reiki aside, we jive with some people. We don't jive with other people. We're not meant to be everything to everyone. And, you know, I just wanted to interject, too, because I thought of something else. And this is probably something we do a lot. I know just recently I had a student of mine ask for a Reiki session for a certain problem. And do you know what? The guidance came in and I knew another practitioner that would be better. 
for this person. Reiki guides us, maybe steering us clear of some people, some situations, but it also guides us to help the other person. And I have to tell you, I said, you know, I would love to see you, but I know another lady and I'm really feeling that she's the one for you to go to. So I referred and they got together and it was like fireworks. It was amazing. And now they're like friends for life. They're like best buds. She came back. She said, thank you so much for sending me there. And I I just said, I'm so happy because I just knew to send you and I followed the guidance. So I think that it goes both ways. We get guided to maybe steer clear of something. We get guided to refer people because we aren't right for them. I don't think it's really about judgment or anything like that. It's just, what do we always say for the highest good? For example, in those cases, it just wasn't in our mutual highest good to work together, that there was something better out there, probably for both of these people. I don't ever want to really say no to people, but we have to have those boundaries and we have to listen to the guidance and we might not even understand why at that moment. But if you follow the guidance, it's going to really turn out. Oh, yes. And that sounds like the perfect way to handle it, in my opinion. As you said, a lot of us who work in these types of endeavors are intuitive and empathic and highly sensitive. And we don't want to say no. We want to help everyone. But going back to the original question, are we supposed to help everyone? I believe the answer to that is no. I think we are to help Mm -hmm. everyone that we can help, however that may be, whether it was with Reiki or some other modality or simply by being there if they need an ear or a shoulder. We can help people in so many ways, but we cannot be everything to everyone. I think that's something that it's a tough lesson for people who are in the healing field. It's tough because you want Mm -hmm. to and you have that, that need almost to spread healing and bring light and help people through their problems and those who are struggling. But sometimes it's not the right answer. Sometimes that person is not a good fit for you. You may not be a good fit for them. And then it is up to us as the professional, the um, expert. (laughs) Expert. (laughs) Yeah, there's that word. (laughs) To recognize that and go with our guidance and not try to brush it aside and go, okay, I'll see what I can do, and then end up regretting it. So I think handling it up front, transparently, kindly, compassionately, delivered in the best way possible. And like you did with your would-be client, you steered her in a direction that worked out for her, you, and the other practitioner. Win-win, right? Mm -hmm. Because you followed your guidance. Yeah. You know, I tell my students sometimes in class, and I get funny looks, but it's the truth. I tell them, I don't want every client. I don't want every student. There's plenty to go around. I just want the clients and students that are in my highest good to know and to meet and to work with. There's plenty for everybody, and we're all different, and we'll resonate here and there, and I think that's fantastic. I've always looked at it that way, too. I always say the need for healing is far greater than the number of available healers. So it's Mm -hmm. not as if people in the healing endeavor need to scramble or fight for clients. (laughs) There is a far greater Mm -hmm. need for healing out there. And if we open ourselves to that, it just comes to us. I don't have any burning desire to have every client or every student, just the opposite. I Mm -hmm. want to take the ones with whom I feel guided to work and the ones who want to work with me or want to learn with me. And those are the best relationships right there, not the ones that you have to patch together and struggle through. So I think being upfront at the very outset is critical. And it may be a difficult conversation, but it's a necessary one. Shifting gears now, we're going to move to our next question that came in. We actually heard this from a few different people, and that is about balancing our energy, keeping our energy balanced when we might walk into a room or hear some news or 
kind of be blindsided and we get off kilter. We might feel out of balance. We might be triggered into that fight or flight mode. And we want to recover from that really quickly because it's just uncomfortable. Nobody wants to be stressed out like that. We were asked about what can we do in situations like that? So I'll just put it to you again. First, Kathleen, what would you tell somebody about that? My first thought is to be proactive. Again, I'm going to go back to what we've talked about today and probably every other episode we've had so far is that (laughs) when you're empathic or intuitive or sensitive, you're going to run into those kind of situations far more frequently than is comfortable and probably more frequently than someone who maybe is less sensitive or not intuitive as much, whatever. I think People like that, like you, me, and probably a large portion of our listening audience can relate to that. I think in those cases, we need to be proactive. You don't want to open yourself up to getting into those situations where you are feeling unprotected and triggered instantly. I'm going to use an example that has always worked for me knowing who I am and how I react in certain situations and how my energy interacts with other energies. There's a certain store in my area, and I'm not going to mention the name. (laughs) I don't want to get sued. Mm -hmm. (laughs) But every time I went into that store, I would feel the energies were unpleasant, to say the least. And I would come out of there, I would be cranky, I would have a headache, I felt tired, I needed to go home and take a shower. That's how I felt. (laughs) Oh my goodness. So Mm -hmm. once I started learning about energy and how it affects different people, I finally started doing something about that. And Reiki was a huge help because then I learned how to ground and center and clear and all those things. I have learned that when I go into this particular store, which I do rarely now because I don't go out much these days, but before I go in, I do a clearing exercise, I do a dry bathing exercise that Reiki provides. I will activate the power symbol to help me in the store. I just do these things and it takes seconds as I'm walking into the store. And I can tell you it makes such a difference. And I have learned over the years also to anticipate those kinds of situations where I'm pretty sure I'm going to be triggered. And if I'm not, that's great. But if I am, I'm prepared. So I think being proactive and prepared at all times as an empathic, sensitive, or intuitive individual is the best way to be. I couldn't agree more with that. And I love the idea of being proactive. I was laughing because, oh my gosh, your story took me back and you're not naming the store, but I know in my family, when my children were little, we would go to a certain superstore and it took me a while to figure this out because, you know, we went, we were happy and then we would be walking back to the car, grouchy, short with each other, you know, cranky. That's a, that's such a great word to describe (laughs) it. And it took a few times and I thought, what is happening here? And it was the energy. The word that came to mind when you were talking was responsibility, right? Mm -hmm. Being responsible for our energy. And I'm so big on that. And we've talked about this before because I can't depend on the world to take care of my energy. I got to do it myself. You know, we need to be aware of our energy, not victims of other people and their energy. And that's being empowered and ways that we can empower ourselves If you're a Reiki practitioner and you're not doing a self-Reiki practice regularly, like every day, oh, build that foundation and begin doing that because you'll deepen your ability to withstand the winds of turbulent energy that is around you. So number one, do that. But maybe you're not a Reiki practitioner and that's totally fine too. Um, Grounding exercises you know, visualizing the tree roots. Uh, We had that whole episode about this, eat some chocolate, all of that wonderful (laughs) stuff like that. Stomp your feet. That was another good one because you can stomp your feet in the parking lot going towards the door of the store, right? Yep. 
One of the things I started to do when I knew I was going to enter a space that would be turbulent, where it might uh, affect me, I would start zipping up the front of my body. And that's something anybody can do. You don't have to know Reiki. And you basically just take your hand and put it down by your root, so your pelvic area, and you motion upward like you're zipping up the front of your body all the way up to about your nose. You can turn your little hand like you're locking a lock, and you're done. The intention with that is you're sealing in your energy so that other energy isn't coming into your system and you're not leaking out. You're just creating an intended separation where that energy isn't affecting you. And we did a whole episode about protection and shielding and all of that. And I'm not saying to do that. What I'm saying to do is sort of like if it's raining outside. We don't fear the rain. We just use an umbrella because we don't want to be wet. That's sort of what I'm talking about. Just doing simple things with intention to create a separate, more peaceful environment for your energy. So you can do the zip up like that. And if people are around, you can just do it mentally by visualizing it in your mind. And for Reiki people, you can do exactly what Kathleen said. You can use that power symbol in the same way because it does seal in the energy. But those are a couple of things. But I would say practice an awareness of your energy, knowing what gets you triggered, if you're at work in an office and every time you walk into somebody's office, oh, you just leave there and you're just all out of sorts, get real with yourself and make a plan. You know, maybe you, before you leave your office, you take a few breaths, become present in your body, zip up or use the power symbol, and maybe just start channeling Reiki if you're attuned or just bring in white light down through your head and just Imagine exuding and shining out the white light so that you are in that vibration and feeling good, feeling calm, and feeling connected. I think a lot of times we get off kilter because we aren't feeling connected. We're feeling like a little leaf and the wind's just going to come blow and we have no control over anything. So if you have an intention to be present in the body, strong in your energy and confident that you're able to withstand whatever energy is out there, you will. I don't want to oversimplify, but I think awareness goes a really long way. Being self-aware and knowing what types of situations are going to trigger you or what situations are likely to trigger you is a huge help. And that comes from being aware. When you were talking, Andrea, I was thinking back to the days when I was in law enforcement and how unexpected situations can really rock your world energetically. I was thinking, wow, wow. if I'd had Reiki back in those days, <laughs> it would have been a lot different because I think one of the questions we had about this was um, going into an unexpected kind of situation that really gets you out of sorts. And what do you do about that? Everything we've said so far is great. And I think it's wonderful advice. And I stick by that. But I'm also thinking about jobs like law enforcement or firefighters or healthcare providers where you're constantly mm -hmm. encountering unexpected, sometimes traumatic situations. I am no stranger to that. I lived that life for 20 plus years, and I know what that's like. But even more important to what we were saying, that you need to be proactive. You need to be prepared. I love the white light because anyone can do the white light. You don't have to have Reiki. There's mm -hmm. no special technique. And I love the zipper technique. One that I've used mm -hmm. many times is I envision a bubble of divine light around me that is a filter to keep everything that's unhealthy or incompatible away from me. It can be in any color that you imagine that comes to you. For me, it's often a pink or a purple color. 
Those are three very simple ways to prepare yourself and walk around with feeling like, okay, I've got this. So you've got the zipper technique, the white light, and the bubble. Just walking around with those as you go through your day will make you so much more prepared for those unexpected encounters. And if you are in a career where this is part of your daily routine, like I was for many years, it can be a huge, huge benefit. I didn't even think about those careers, Kathleen. So that's a super good point. Gosh, I want to show gratitude to all those people, all the frontline workers, all the nurses, and all the people that work in the hospitals, mm-hmm. you know, the jails. Oh, my goodness. I don't know that I could do that work. Well, no, I'm lying. I know I couldn't do that work. I'd probably last a week. I wanted to bring something up, though, because try as we might, and we can prepare and be proactive. But part of the question was, they get off kilter, right? And this is a practice. So there are going to be things that come up, and it's like, whoop, my bubble didn't help, or whoop, that zipper failed me. Uh, And if we find ourselves like that... Like, uh uh-oh, then we've got a couple things to worry about. Like, one of them is, man, why did my zipper not work? Or (laughs) what happened to my white light? Right. So that's a whole other thing to investigate, right? So if we find ourselves that we are off kilter, you know, one of the things that I like to do for myself is I get a reality check from somebody else. I talk to somebody else about the issue, find a friend or a spouse or whoever and say, you know what? I'm feeling really off right now. Can I describe this to you? Can I tell you this? And just sort of offload and get some feedback from them. Because I think sometimes we make it so much worse in our mind and our self-talk, and we go over things in our minds a lot, which helps keep us off balance, keeps us off in the ditch, so to speak. But if we can have somebody else to communicate with, it can help bring us back to reality. And they might say, you know what, Andrea? I don't think they meant that at all. You know, are you sure they meant that? And it just helps bring me back to planet Earth sometimes when I'm out there thinking all of these crazy thoughts. Just having another person to discuss it with can really help bring us back. Another thing is if you can get a change of scenery. So take a walk. If you're at home and you can take a few minutes just to take a shower or something, something to interrupt the thinking, something to interrupt the energy that you're in. And when you're in the shower, I think we mentioned this on that clearing episode, and that's the energy shower. Imagine that the water coming through the shower head is energy just clearing and washing all of that away. I have to say, every time I take a shower like that, I feel so much better afterwards. And there is such a healing vibration, a healing quality with water. The other thing I think water is really good for is I know for me and I know other people, and I'd be interested to get your take on this, Kathleen, is water seems to help my intuition. I seem to be able to connect with my intuition more my guidance more when I'm around water. And I think that's one reason people really like being by the lake or the ocean, things like that. There's a certain beautiful spirituality or spiritual quality about water. So it can be cleansing. It can connect us with our intuition. And in what we're talking about now in regards to getting back to our center, shedding the turbulence that has gotten us off track, being near water can be helpful because we can remember that connection and that can really bring us back to center. Have you found that with water, Kathleen? Yes, I hadn't thought of it in this context before you mentioned it, but yes. And as you were talking, I remembered that during my Reiki sessions, they always seemed very interesting when it was raining outside or we had some sort of um, water activity in the area. And then I remembered that water is a conductor, right? So the energy 
is conducted along water. Mm -hmm. And if you're in a shower and you set that intention that the energy is going to clear you, wow, it really works. Just remember that water is a powerful conductor of energy. Water is life. Our bodies are, what, 80 mm -hmm. some percent water? Water is incredibly important. And being close to water can make us feel so much more connected to who we really are. That's a great point. And I hadn't thought about that until you started talking about it. But when you were talking before about speaking with someone else to get um, some feedback, if you're overthinking mm -hmm. and worrying and chewing on something, and as an overthinking champ for quite some time, <laughs> I can tell you that that does help just to find someone who can sort of go, yeah, you're just kind of like, off the rails here. Hearing that from someone you trust can make all the difference and it makes a huge difference. So I think that simple shift in perspective, as you said, offloading the issue to someone that you trust and getting their feedback, it really can help to center you and take you out of that mindset that had you in such a tizzy. And the other thing that came to mind as you were speaking is that if at all possible, and you find yourself in a situation where you feel like you just can't manage it energetically, if at all possible, leave. Leave the situation. Walk away. Remove yourself from that mm -hmm. particular situation. And I'm going to mention again my law enforcement days. Even back then, before I knew what I know now about energy and all that, there were many times where I was at a scene, you know, a crime scene. I would just have to walk away for a few minutes and then come back after kind of centering myself, although I didn't know that was what I was doing. I didn't have the vocabulary for it, but I just knew I had to get away from it for a few moments and then go back to it. And I wasn't the only one. A lot of my coworkers and colleagues did the same thing. So if at all possible, just remove yourself from the situation, even if only for a few moments. That can also be a big help to kind of reset and bring you back to center so that you can go back and continue what you started. I think it takes a pretty self-aware person, really, to be able to walk away. It takes strength to do that, witness the imbalance within I don't think that's always very easy to do. The other thing I want to say about that is if people do find themselves in a situation and they become aware that their energy is out of balance, that I think is something to celebrate, that they have that much self-awareness. I really, really do. And I hadn't really thought about it until you were just talking about walking away from the scene like that. I think for myself, pretty hard to walk away. I would feel as though it was my job to stay. I would feel like, am I weak if I walk away? Uh, I can handle it. I'm tough or whatever. I would push myself. I know who I am and I would push myself to stay there, even if it was against my own self-interest. And at least in prior days, I know I would. I think I would be better today. So I just really want to underscore that with people. If you're aware that you're out of balance and you know what triggers it, wow, you've come a long, long way. That is for sure. And I just think that's commendable. And honestly, I think that for the folks who asked that question, they're already aware. They are self-aware because they asked that question, recognizing mm -hmm. the situations yeah. they encounter that create those feelings within them. So as you said, that's huge. That's half the battle right there, probably more than half the battle, because mm -hmm. knowing it, knowing yeah. that this is doing it to you is, if you don't know, all you're going to do is like a dog chasing its tail. You're running in circles. But once you know, you can take steps to remedy it and get yourself back to center. Right. Now, back when I would walk away from a crime scene, I couldn't say to you, oh, I need to go rebalance my energy. I, I didn't have those <laughs> terms that vocabulary at that time. <laughs> right. But I just knew right. there was that sense that I needed to 
excuse myself for a few moments just to take a few deep breaths and then go back in and go, okay, let's do this. And now that I have mm -hmm. the words for that and I have the understanding, I can share that with others. So if any of this is resonating with our listeners, I would invite them to become more aware of the situations in which you find yourself that have that sort of effect on you and then take the steps to remedy it either beforehand, which is the best situation mm -hmm. to be proactive yes. and prepared. But if that hasn't mm -hmm. happened, then when you're in the situation and you're there and you feel like you just can't manage it, then you can go ahead and follow through with some of the other suggestions we just spoke about. I think any one of them can make a huge difference, truly. Yes, because it isn't about weakness. It's about strength. And it's about Absolutely. listening to yeah. what's happening inside. I just have a whole new appreciation for this whole topic. <laughs> <laughs> it's been an interesting topic. I'm glad we had the opportunity to discuss it today. And I'm, I'm really grateful to the listeners who reached out to us with these ideas. I think that's amazing. And that's why we do this podcast. I agree. Yes, and you know what? We're wrapping up right now. We only did three questions, but <laughs> I loved the questions. We've got more that we didn't get to, so we'll put that off. But we also want to invite you to contact us with more questions, more topics, because this is fun to hear from you and what you want to hear about. So drop us a line and let us know. We always enjoy hearing from our listeners. I enjoy reading the emails and the questions you submit and checking social media to see what new and interesting questions you pose for us. So keep them coming. And in the meantime, if you're interested in joining our email list, please do so on our website, Beyond the Reiki Gateway. There's a link on the show notes at the bottom. When you sign up for our email, we'll be sending you our latest episodes. Plus, you'll get a sneak peek of our newest episode before it's released to the general public. A little perk, our way of saying thank you for signing up for our email list. And in the meantime, we hope you have a good couple of weeks. We thank you for being here. And I look forward to, and so does Andrea, speaking with you again in two more weeks. In the meantime, be well and stay safe. Thank you again for joining us. And we would invite you to return to another episode as we journey beyond the Reiki Gateway with Kathleen Johnson and Andrea Kennedy.